Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rook and this is the Kona Shame Show. Guys, we have another great episode right here. It's one of the ones that I love, that I have wanted to make, that I am so glad we got to do. But before we get into that, I gotta tell you guys some big, big news. Guys, we did a virtual vet school graduation uh, this last Sunday and it was wonderful. It was magical. It was so great. I just, I was so, so happy with it. Um, It just felt great to do something good for the world. And then people said to me, Andy, you're not going to do a graduation for veterinary technicians. You know that how how much they work. You know how 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 little appreciation they get. You know how much they give to this profession, and they don't get the celebration of the vet students. I didn't really. Are we going to like not give them a graduation to those people? I said, aha! Do you know me? It doesn't sound like you know me. We are definitely going to do a graduation for the vet uh, tech and nurse programs, and it is now on the books. We are going to do it on Sunday, May 24th. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, and uh, registration is now open. I want you guys to jump on, uh, share the word, let your friends know that this is going on because they need to be celebrated. Graduates, I definitely need you guys to hustle and get registered so that we can get your information and include you and your favorite photos from tech school and for your training in the program. So, everybody, hit the link in the description down below. Come on and join the fun. Share with your friends. Make sure that they know about graduation. And let's celebrate some technicians. And with that, let's get into this episode. It is Dr. Lori Hess, my favorite exotic animal veterinarian, back again to talk about the bearded dragons, the most common lizards that I see in my practice, and uh, and how we take care of them. So let's get into this this is your show we're glad you're here we want to help you in your veterinary career welcome to the cone of shame with dr andy rourke we are supported by PSI Vet. Guys, if you know anything about me, you know that I care about our support staff. I want them to have good jobs. I want them to make good income. And I believe that they need health care. Everybody should have some health care coverage. If you're at a practice that struggles to provide this for your team, I urge you take a look at the PSI Healthcare Initiative that came out uh, earlier this year. You can learn all about it at PSIHealthCareInitiative.com or check out our bonus podcast episode from a couple weeks ago. PSIHealthCareInitiative.com. I am back with the one and only Dr. Lori Hess. Dr. Hess, thanks for being back. Sure. Thanks for having me again. It's fun. Oh, always. All right. You ready to play? Absolutely. All right. Cool. I got another one for you today. Um, I have a bearded dragon named Gunther in exam room one. And Gunther is, uh, the owners think Gunther is about three to four years old. Okay. And he's just a little, and we were assuming it's a he. I don't think he's ever been uh, been uh, sexed or probed. Um, but he's lethargic, and they just think he's just not eating as much as he usually did. He's not moving as much. They're worried about their Gunther. How do you yeah. treat that? Where do, where do I start with this as someone who doesn't commonly see reptiles, specifically lizards? Well, the fun of reptiles, and I hear this from colleagues all the time, people freak out again, it's a reptile, and and you can kind of fudge it maybe if it's a mammal and you don't see them all the time, but reptiles usually make everybody kind of freak out. And the thing about reptiles is they get common things commonly, and I have emphasized over and over, regardless of what kind of animal we've talked about, that husbandry and environment is key. It is critical to understand in terms of 
um, trying to diagnose the disease in an animal and a reptile in particular and trying to solve the problem, make it better. So this, this couldn't be more true of reptiles. So, you know, I, I've talked about nutrition, really important. What are you feeding this animal? Um, you know, they basically, bearded dragons are extremely popular um, and they do eat some insects and they do eat some vegetative matter too. So vegetables, a little bit of fruit. Um, they tend to be leaning more toward insects when they're younger and as they grow, you're supposed to kind of shift that a little bit away from the insects and a little bit more toward the vegetable matter. Um, but not only do you want to focus on nutrition, but environment and caging is critical because we know that reptiles don't function properly unless they're at their POTZM, which if you remember from vet school is the preferred optimal temperature zone, which basically is a fancy way for saying if you're not heating them or keeping them at the right temperature, they're not going to metabolize properly, they're not going to digest properly, their immune systems are not going to function properly, and all hell breaks loose and they fall apart and they get sick. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times um, it could just be one thing that's off. And so what do we want to focus on in terms of the environment? Um, temperature, really, really important. Um, there should generally be, and this is true of most reptiles, and obviously depending upon the species it may vary a little bit, but for a bearded dragon, um, there should be a cool zone to the tank. Um, hopefully it's in a tank, so you're keeping the humidity in um, mm -hmm. and the temperature constant. It, a lot of times if people try to keep these animals in open cages, they can't control the temperature or the humidity as easily. So, you know, having some kind of solid-sided tank is generally ideal. Um, but keeping um, one end of the tank toward the cooler zone and having a warmer zone um, toward the other end, so a focused heat source toward one end and, a, and an area away from the heat source on the other end, that sort of replicates the wild in that if the animal wants to go out and bask and be in the warm area, it can bask, and then if it gets hot, it has a place to go out into the shade. And generally we set that up with um, a, a heater, and sometimes it's a ceramic over the tank heater, and sometimes it's an under the tank heater. There are different ways you can do it. Um, it really depends also on what part of the world you live in. I mean, if your environment, you're living in Florida and it's 95, you know, you may not need a strong heat source as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, winter like I'm in New York in, in wintertime right now and it's 20 degrees. So we have to have a lot of heat sources. Um, I like the over the tank heat because it kind of provides a general gradient that kind of fades out as you move away from it. Um, the under the tank heat is nice, but remember it's only hot where the heater is touching the bottom and it's not hot where it's not. So um, I tend to use that as more of a supplemental heater. Okay. So having a heat source, having um, thermometers, um, having the heat be highest in, in the one zone where the uh, you can measure the temperature and usually like in the 90s is in the basking zone and focusing an ultraviolet light there. That's different from the heater because remember this is providing UV light, not specifically heat. Some There are some um, UV lights that are also heaters and, and mm -hmm. you know it just depends. There's so many different bulbs out there. You need to be a little bit familiar and you can look online. There's some great sites to provide you some general information. They even make posters now you can hang in your office, kind of have on your wall to cheat um, and know the, the zones of temperature. Um, but having the, the basking end with the UV light and the heat source and then having a shaded end away from that um, and then being able to measure the temperature at both ends. Um, and I really like now they make these temperature guns as opposed to just those little stick-on thermometers. Yeah. So I tend to recommend that so you can really aim it at where the animal's sitting because there may be a really big difference between like up, you know, five inches up the wall of the tank from where, you know, the temperature versus the bottom where the animal is sitting. 
Right. So. No, that um, totally makes sense. Yeah, checking. So, though you know, temperature um, and, and UV light very important. Humidity is another thing that's really important. Um, remember that reptiles um, absorb water through their skin and they stay hydrated um, through their skin. So, being able to mist or soak the bearded dragon um, and being able to monitor the temperature and the humidity. Um, they make these little hygrometers, uh, as they're called, to measure humidity. And, and usually, I would say somewhere around 50, 60 ish percent humidity would be good. Um, in certain months of the year, if it's very cold and dry in your environment, you may need to miss that animal a little bit more. Okay. Um, you know, and, and they'll have a lot of problems shedding if they're not hydrated enough. You'll see that little bits of shed will come off at a time and, and will get stuck on them, particularly around their little toes, and that they can constrict their toes with little bits of shed or little bits of shed can stick in their eyes. So that's an indication that they're not humid enough. Right. Okay, cool. So is that is that generally our, our first sign that we often see for not being human enough is shedding problems? Yeah, shedding problems are really common and they'll come in, honestly, some people don't even see it as a shedding problem. They'll say, my animal's not eating, my bearded dragon's not eating. And it's really because they've shed, but there's a little piece of shed stuck like right on their eyelid or inside their eyelid and they just can't see. And if they can't see they, their food, they can't eat. So it's not actually that there's anything horribly wrong, it's just that you have to take that little piece of shed out of their eye. Um, and you have to increase the humidity so that they'll shed that out normally, and that may be all you need to do. But um, having all of those things in order, um, and supplements. Supplements are really important. Um, you have to provide calcium, and you have to provide calcium with vitamin D sometimes. So we tend to alternate um, and do um, calcium, straight calcium a couple times a week, and calcium with vitamin D as well, at least weekly. Um, and uh, making sure that if you're feeding insects, gut loading the insects as you probably heard that term and that means that the insects need to be fed nutritious food so that when the bearded dragon eats the insects um they'll get the nutrition from the insects if the insects are being fed kind of garbage they're not really going to provide any nutrition to the bearded dragon so very important to provide supplements um, a multivitamin you know once every couple weeks to a month depending upon who you talk to also very important so making sure the nutrients are proper too and in balance it all impacts the calcium phosphorus ratio in the animal, which, as you know, you know, is very, very important to reptiles um, in terms of maintaining their health. Is there a um, a resource that you like that's clear and concise that you just point pet owners to and just be like, "Here's a, here's your, here's your, here's your crash course. Here's your sheet on on something." You know what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah. education at home is so important. What do you like? What do you use to provide that level of education? Well, the thing about reptile medicine is it changes all the time. <laughs> it's really hard. So for me, um, we make our own handouts in my hospital, and we do that based on certain books. Um, I do like to recommend to my colleagues Mater's book. Um, Doug Mater is one of the, again, the fathers of, of reptile medicine. A new book came out. He had a new book come out last year. Um, it's great. And there are chapters in there that are really straightforward and simple and up to date. Um, you know, so if you can't go to all the conferences and do all that stuff, you know, just having one solid book and having that carpenter formulary will provide you with some really good information. Um, and then you can, um, there, there are lots of sites online. I don't know that there's any one site. I find that the more I 
talk about it and the more I talk to my technicians about it, we have like little short handouts that say temperature should be this, UV light should be this for this species, you know, feed this many times a week, feed, you know, the supplements and all that. And we just have those. Yeah. Um, and as the recommendations change, we, we just keep them online and we, and we update them. So that's the best way for me to stay current and for my staff to stay current too. All right, great. Let's move into a physical exam. Are you um, are you picking um, Gunther up and uh, and checking him out? And, and what does that look like? And where do you start? Sure. So again, I'm first observing his his cage, his tank. Um, and again, sometimes if I'm lucky, they come in in the tank that they're in, um, so I can really see what this is like. Um, even if he's not in the tank that he's in, I can just see his posture. Um, you know, beard dragon should be really alert. Um, and really uh, kind of on edge uh, when they're in a new place. So they should be pushing up on all four feet and looking around and being attentive. Unfortunately, a lot of them, particularly those that have metabolic bone disease, as you've mm -hmm. you know probably heard about, it's a big thing in reptile medicine, um, they're lethargic and they're kind of flat and they may be kind of scooting around on their bellies. And what's interesting is that People, this doesn't happen overnight, it's a gradual thing. So many owners will come in and say, oh, he looks a little lethargic. And they haven't really realized that instead of like pushing up on all fours and being really alert, their animals are kind of plantigrade or, or you know, crouched down and they mm -hmm. really don't appreciate it until you say, hey, he's really not pushing up. And they go, you know, you're right. He hasn't done that in a while. So, it, you know, they don't see it until you point it out. But you should look at the posture of the animal. Um, you know, his eyes should be open. He should be alert and kind of on the defensive. So that's the first thing I look at. And then again, I approach it. Uh, I approach the physical exam with a body systems approach as I do all the other animals that I treat. Um, I'll look at the eyes, you know, and, and um, I will make sure I shine light in their eyes, make sure they're bright. I can sometimes see, um, you know, retain shed in their eyes that way. I can see a lot of times bedding. We talk about bedding a lot in reptile medicine. Um, I like paper-based bedding or recycled paper bedding. I'm not a fan of sand, and there's a lot of calcium sand products out there, calcium-based sand. Um, it tends to get stuck in their eyes, in their mouth, mm -hmm. it sticks on their food, they ingest it, it can cause obstructions. Um, so uh, you want to be focused on bedding as well. And sometimes when I'm looking in the eye, I can see some sand stuck in there. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of wood uh, shavings or walnuts or anything else that is indigestible if they eat it. So I do want to open their mouths, which can be really, really tricky. Um, you can use, um, you know, uh, if it's a tiny animal, you can use the end of a Q-tip. You know, mm -hmm. cotton swab to kind of gently open their mouth. Um, you can use a tongue depressor um, and just get a peek in there and make sure they don't have a lot of gingivitis, a lot of stomatitis. Um, believe it or not, bearded dragons actually get a lot of gingivitis and they need regular dentistries. Just they need dental cleanings, profies, um, just like cats or dogs. And a lot of people don't know that. So looking at the eyes, looking at the nose, looking inside the mouth, um, and then kind of working down the body. It's really hard to hear their hearts. Um, so I don't typically listen to their heart. Um, you can hear it with a Doppler. Okay. Um, and it's, that's really the best and only reliable way to hear their heartbeat. Um, you can look at their breathing, obviously, and they should be breathing with their mouth closed at a regular rate. Um, they may be a little nervous on, on your exam table. And again, we want them to be on some warm surface. If you do have a sick bearded dragon or a sick reptile, you probably want to have a heating pad on your, on your countertop, on your exam tabletop. And you probably want to cover that with a towel. Um, and make sure the animal is obviously not going to get burned in any way, mm -hmm. but providing supplemental heat as they are sitting there going through your exam, very, very important um, to help their circulatory system. 
Um, palpating their um, abdomen, remember they don't have a diaphragm, so technically they have no separate thorax um, from you know their abdominal cavity. It's really just one salomic cavity, but you can palpate um, to feel their organs, and you shouldn't feel any foreign objects, anything really hard, um, and you just get a, a general idea of you know does anything feel off. Um, you should definitely um, look at the tips of their toes. We talked about, um, you know, the musculoskeletal system, making sure that they're muscular, that they're not muscle-wasted, looking at their integument. Um, or, or is there a retained shed over their body or on the mm. tip of their tail or around their little tiny toes? Um, that can be an indication, as we said, of humidity. Um, sometimes they'll necrose the tips of their toes because there's retained shed there. Yeah. Um, you also want to pick them up and don't forget they have a whole underside. You know, they're very flat animals, so it's very easy to kind of just look at them from the top, but you want to look underneath. Um, septic reptiles will often have like a pink flush to their underside. You know, if it's not a normal color for them, depending mm -hmm. on what reptile species, but certainly in a bearded dragon, they, they will sometimes be flushed pink, and that can be an indication that there's infection going on. Um, and then you also want to, of course, check the vent, which is the opening to the cloaca, you know, down at the other end. Um, you want to pick up their tail, you want to look underneath there and make sure they're, you know, that there's nothing prolapsed, that they don't have stool stuck there. Um, if you have a fecal sample, it's a really good thing to um, run and check and look, do a fecal OPG, oviparasite and giardia check. Um, they get a lot of coccidia, these animals, and a lot of mm. parasites, and it can be very hard to treat. Okay, interesting. So um, what percentage of these presentations do you think are environment-based, like the solution lies in the environment? Really, really a good question. I think that a lot of times people don't know that these animals need UV light um, or they have UV light and they don't change it every six months. And literally, um, they'll have this animal who's now three who's had the same UV light for all three years. And remember that reptiles get sick very slowly and get better very slowly. So um, it may be that it takes a couple years for them to really manifest signs. Um, it may be that they don't have any supplements. I can't tell you how many uh, bearded dragon owners come in and they're feeding a great diet and maybe the light is good and the temperature and everything is great, but there's no calcium source. Um, and over time, that animal is, is pulling all the calcium out of its own bones. And that nice two to one uh, approximate calcium to phosphorus ratio that we like to see in reptiles is shifted. So the phosphorus is going up, the calcium is going down, the animal gets weaker and weaker, and there get, they get into that plantigrade stance and they develop you know, metabolic bone disease, which is something that is treatable, but it gets better very, very slowly. So again, it's not something that happens quickly and it's something that doesn't get better quickly either, but it is treatable. Give me an idea of scale. When you say, when you say it gets better very, very slowly. So we're talking about metabolic bone disease. We're talking about uh, a bearded dragon that's not doing push-ups and not, uh, you know, right. standing up straight and right. tall. I mean, yeah. what, what amount of time are you, when you say very, very slowly, do you mean a week, a month, a year? I mean, what? weeks to months, definitely okay. weeks to months. So there's a protocol that will follow over the first three weeks of treatment and, and owners are coming back in weekly, like we're running blood work, we're getting an idea of you know, how they are, we're giving um, oral calcium supplementarily. There is a hormone called um, salmon calcitonin, which it can be hard to find, but you put them on it, uh, they come back in for a second treatment uh, after they've been on calcium for a week. They come into your office for a second visit the following week and you give them calcitonin so that they can use some of that calcium that they've been uh, now sent home on for a week. Hopefully the owners have changed the environment 
um, to make sure the light is proper and the UV light is proper and the temperature and the humidity and all that. And then they come in a third time even and you're giving them more of the calcitonin hormone injection. And then you literally send these animals away on oral calcium for weeks and weeks. And owners are often supplementally feeding, syringe feeding, which is very important too. Mm. Um, there are feeding formulas available for these animals. It's no more like the mixing of baby foods that we used to do. Um, there are actually good formulas out there. And the owners have to be really, really diligent about feeding these animals because often at the beginning, these animals are just too weak and they can't even pick up their heads. They're not gonna hunt for their food and they're never gonna get better if they don't get proper nutrition. Gotcha. All right, that's wonderful, Lori. Where can uh, where can people find you and learn more about you if they need? Sure, um, I'm online. So my animal hospital is at Avian Exotics with an S in the end, vet.com or uh, drlauriehess.com. Those are my two websites, and you can go on and find me either way. And um, I look forward to hearing from you. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, Lori. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope it's going to help you in the clinic. If there's ever anything that you need, if there's something we should cover, if there's a case you'd like to hear us break apart, let me know about it. Send me an email. The email address is podcast at drandyrourke.com. That's podcast at drandyrourke.com. And if you're loving the show and you'd like to do something uh, nice to give back, uh, all, I'd, all I'd ever ask is an honest iTunes rating. It helps people find the show. It makes a big difference for us getting the word out about what we're trying to do. Uh, share it with your friends. That's the other thing I would ask. If uh, if if you like the podcast, uh, share it with a buddy who might also enjoy it. So anyway, guys, that's it. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Keep being the people that our pets deserve. See you later.